it's time to join Montana's very own and your voice for agriculture, Talking Ag Lane Nordland, for today's LaneCast. And good Sunday morning, everyone. Thanks for joining us here on YouTube, Facebook, and also on the podcast platform, the LaneCast Ag Podcast, for our Sunday recap here on the Western Ag Network. I'm Lane Nordland. Thank you so much for joining us. Grab a coffee. It's going to be a great uh, few minutes. It might be 20 minutes, might be an hour. It just depends on how long we decide to talk today. As always, standing by from his home studio, Mr. Russell Nimitz uh, is joining us. And, and Russ, as the week has gone, it's it's been pretty good weather-wise for a lot of producers, a lot of hay getting put up. And, and I'll, I'll quickly talk through some of our, our headlines today. But before we do that, uh, how'd your week go? You know, pretty good, all things considered. And as you mentioned, uh, plenty of headlines uh, to cover for farmers and ranchers, uh, not just here in our region, but across America. And, and we're going to touch on a few of them. But, you know, a couple big reports out for farmers out there that have a direct impact for livestock producers. And then, of course, uh, some big video sales uh, happened this past week, uh, kind of giving us a better glimpse of what those fall delivered calves are going to be worth this year. Yeah, very true. We're talking about those world egg supply and demand numbers. We'll focus on the wheat and corn estimates out this past week and also the Endangered Species Act. And uh, we're going to catch up with some Wyoming producers that are uh, talking about the need to reform the ESA. And that kind of ties into our grizzly bear conversations. A lot of grizzly bear headlines uh, coming out this week as well. And uh, hey, egg prices, we're going to talk about that and that big one, the week in the Rockies sale in Steamboat Springs. Uh, that was brought to you by Spear Livestock Auction. We're going to catch up with one of their auctioneers and walk us through some of those Region 2 cattle, which uh, makes up most of Western Ag Network country. And uh, also, we're, we're going to talk about how a thumbs-up emoji can really put a damper on your day as well. But, you know, Russ, uh, uh, the other morning I, when I was driving, uh, we, we have our, our town car, our car, we call it. It's a 2000 Lincoln Continental. It's a, it's, it, it's a Quicksilver, as I like to call it. I was coming in from town and look in and I'm like, what, what is over on our hay bales that we got stacked? And I'm looking, I'm looking and it was a bunch of Fox, uh, really? like, yeah, like young foxes, everything. And I'm like, God, I wonder if I can get a, a, a picture of that. I couldn't do it. I would have loved to show that. Well, then for like 40 minutes, we're just hearing these Fox just yiping and, and, and yipping. And so I go out there thinking, what is going on? Our horses were going nuts in the crowd. And, I, it, it was coyotes chased those those young fox up onto our bales. Well, then they bailed off those when I came by. And uh, I thought that would have been cool to get a video of. So I'm out there and I'm like, I probably should have had a gun and shot the coyotes. Uh, the fox don't <laughs> mean nothing, but... but uh, I, I, I could have shot two coyotes, but, uh, you know, before we jump into it, I, I do want to point something out, you know, Russ, last week we shared the video of the, um, this Baylor, right? And we talked about how it's spelled wrong with the I, our friend, Sam Frazier with frontier productions pointed out that not only is Baylor spelled wrong, but John Deere is spelled wrong. I saw that from Sam and thanks Sam for, uh, helping us uh, continue to get the word out about this i can't believe that uh what an idiot that well, guy who's posting that on online well obviously i can't afford john deere equipment that's why i don't know how to spell it but uh <laughs> you know yeah we forgot an e on there i mean look at us we were making fun of the guy for putting an i in there and we can't even spell john deere right well, but... you know to our credit lane that's a reason we're <laughs> 
were radio and television broadcasters. I mean, if we wanted to be in print, we would have been in print. We don't have to worry about spelling. It's just how we say it. That is true. But Bayler, yeah, or John Deary. That's probably how you should say it, right? Well, <laughs> Russ, we are talking about Endangered Species Act and grizzly bears. Uh, you know, that's something we've followed for quite some time, I guess. So what, what are what's that conversation that uh, that you have on your radar here today? Well, of course, it's one of those big headlines that's uh, grabbed our attention for a lot of years, really since the 1970s when it came out from the federal government. Whether we're talking about wolves, uh, the reintroduction that happened, you know, 20, 30 years ago in Montana, Wyoming and Idaho, or what they're doing in Colorado as we speak to introduce gray wolves there or sage grouse or grizzly bears here of late. I mean, there's a lot of talk in the countryside about reforming the Endangered Species Act itself. And it was a big topic uh, recently in Riverton at the Wyoming Stock Growers Association's convention where we had the chance to catch up with new Wyoming stock grower President Jack Berger out of Saratoga and hear his thoughts about why it's so important to have that ESA reform. So once a species is actually, you know, reaches its uh, target, it comes off that list. Yeah, it shouldn't be so hard to to get species off there and stuff. And I mean, we know it's kind of a broken system. It had good intentions, like you said, when it started, but what they're celebrating at this year and what they have a 2% success rate, I think. So <laughs> I'm not sure that's something to be real proud of, but uh, they have removed a few species, but it'd be nice to get some reform. It seems like we talk about it over and over and over again but not much happens but it needs to happen and i think lane all of us in farm and ranch country would agree it needs to happen sooner rather than later and i know it's uh on the radar of uh most of our congressional delegations here in the intermountain west where the endangered species act of course uh really hits home uh, especially in these mountain states it, it is it's scary when when you think that uh you know you, you don't know when one of these bears is going to be rolling into camp and and attacking you your livestock or or your your animals what whatever it might be it's uh makes the hair on your neck stand up even even if we're a few states away from that conversation right now well absolutely and and for folks uh not out here living in what we're talking about this morning i mean in the in the bigger cities you know i mean this is a real issue, and, uh, and it's going to be a growing and continuing issue uh, until we really get that apex predator off the endangered species list and turn management uh, over to individual states like, you know, we've been able to do in the past with, with wolves. And I think that's a great success story. I mean, considering the number of wolves that they reintroduced in the early 90s in the greater Yellowstone area to what that number is today, uh, it just goes to show that um, you can have a successful uh, reintroduction or a management program once you reach that target limit. And, and Lane, you and I have been talking about too, I mean, it's just a matter of time when these, these bears reach a certain threshold uh, you know, that number just continues to grow. And, and, you know, when a lot of, a lot of times the older bears push out the newer bears, whether it's, you know, along the Rocky mountain front in Montana or in the greater Yellowstone national park area, which of course affects not just Montana, but Wyoming and, and Idaho, 
you know, another headline this past week was a grizzly or grizzlies were sighted for the very first time in the prior mountains uh, in South Central Montana, which, of course, you know, I mean, just making an educated guess, I'm sure, you know, that that uh, greater Yellowstone Park population is starting to migrate now into the priors because the numbers are so great. Well, it's just, again, it's unsettling. And, uh, you, you know, uh, when we were branding, uh, well, th this spring, I was horseback and we had a pair go off into the brush. And uh, we have a lot of black bears around there. But last year, grizzly bear went through that area, hung around for about th about a month, is the neighbors who saw it there multiple times. And I don't know what was in the brush, but my horse knew something was in the brush. And, you know, all I had was a rope. <laughs> I was just, but there was something big in the brush that my horse could smell. And it was not the pair that uh, was trying to sneak away from that gather. But it's just, you know, you have to be aware. And again, I, I am not opposed to seeing wildlife. I think, I, I think wolves are awesome. I think grizzly bears are awesome, but I think you have to be able to manage them. And that management should include hunting in some of these areas. And that's why it should be up to the States. Like so many cattle groups, uh, you know, talk about, but uh, you know, Russ, uh, your career in farm broadcasting really has followed almost that evolution of wolf reintroduction to the greater Yellowstone ecosystem in Montana. Um, what, what has that been like watching the opposition to that and the implementation of the wolves into Yellowstone and their spread into Montana and how important that landowner and farmer rancher input was in trying to manage those wolves as they came off the list because they were recovered. They hit that number of recovery in states like Montana and Wyoming and Idaho actually manage those wolves and hunting seasons are put, put into place. What, what was that like, you know, over, over the past 30 years following that headline and in talking to people that advocate for the permanent listing of species like that and, and those who want to see state management of wolves? Well, I think it's been an incredible success story for all parties involved. I mean, you know, as you might expect, it was a very controversial issue uh, uh, when it first uh, came up there in the early 90s. And and I can't remember how many um, wolves were actually uh, introduced or reintroduced at, at the time. But um, the numbers speak for themselves, not just here in Montana, but in Idaho and, and Wyoming. And I think it's a real testament of what can really happen uh, in today's society if all parties involved, you know, can take out the politics as best as possible, take out the emotion and really sit down around a table and visit, have meaningful conversations and hammer out, you know, a working and manageable plan that at the end of the day will achieve the results that at least some results uh, from everybody's, uh, you know, everybody's own industry. And I think that's what's really happened in the case of the gray wolf uh, in the greater Yellowstone area. I mean, as you mentioned, the species is more than recovered, um, as evidenced by more and more gray wolf sightings uh, outside uh, the national park area. And, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, sooner rather than later, uh, something similar can happen, um, you know, with grizzly bears and, and what other uh, species, you know, might pop up in the future once they actually reach that, that recovered status. Uh, so, um, 
you know, it's it's a great blueprint, if you will, for for something like the grizzly bear and and of course this ongoing process of trying to get it delisted. Management turned over the states, but gosh, I mean, as you know, and as our viewers and listeners know, everything is just so highly politicized in Washington, D.C. You know, it's not like the old days. Even in the 90s, you know, Republicans and Democrats and independents would, you know, at least some point at the end of the day, if they had to even lock themselves in a hallway broom closet to, you know, hammer out an agreement, something actually got done that was meaningful for the for the American public. And that's getting harder and harder to do out of our nation's capital. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, uh, a lot of big conversations there and and more grizzly bears and, and wolves uh, popping up across the countryside where they haven't been in, in many, many years. But uh, that aside, Roz, you know, uh, we saw another big report for July come out, that World Egg Supply Demand Estimates report. And, and corn was really the big shocker uh, in, in those numbers there. But uh, well, I think we'll just start off with wheat, but, uh, you know, Russ, before we look at those numbers, what, what is the importance for our viewers? You know, a lot of the time, you know, we, we focus a lot, on, of course, on our, our, our grains and our livestock, but for our livestock producers out there that maybe don't follow these, uh, these supply and demand numbers, what, what are the significance of these world levels and, and how that impacts our, our commodities and then our, our, our outlook for what, what pricing may be for the rest of the year? Well, I think they're a really good snapshot each month as to where we're at, not just domestically, but of course, uh, other, you know, commodity producing nations that we ultimately compete with on the export front around the world. And um, as we've been talking, you know, both on air and online through programs like this, I mean, on the wheat side, uh, drought and just, uh, you know, not being able to produce a, a healthy wheat crop, whether it's here in the Northern Plains or down in the Central and Southern Plains. I mean, you know, overall, our, our, our wheat ending stocks uh, and what we've harvested the past couple of years and what we put into storage just isn't there. And then so that's in part what has helped drive the wheat market higher along with, uh, you know, the situation over between Ukraine and Russia. But, you know, more recently, you know, a lot of talk was, you know, in the Corn Belt, just the droughts impact on on this year's corn crop. And of course, the more corn available is always a bullish thing for for livestock producers. And I think this week's, you know, big surprise was despite all those uh, worries out there about whether or not, you know, we're going to have a, a great corn crop or not, um, at least as of right now, USDA says says we are. In fact, we're we're on pace yep. to have a record corn crop, which you know, might put some pressure on on corn prices uh, for the grower out there. But it's good news for for livestock producers, especially the cattle business, uh, you know, where we're pouring a lot of that, you know, high quality U.S. corn into those animals to grow high protein beef. Now, very true. And and let's just look at those corn numbers again. We are we are seeing that, uh, 
USDA has is, is uh, lowered its uh, yield estimates by four uh, bushels per acre, though still higher than the pre-report average to 177.5 bushels per acre. Uh, in that, even with the lower yield, though, Russ, as, as you mentioned, the production forecast is to possibly set a record at 15.32 billion bushels. That's at 55 million bushels from those June WASD estimates. If realized, that would top the 2016 a corn crop and that was a lot of corn back in 2016 but again that uh, farm gate price really depended on how much corn is out there it's projected to be four dollars and 80 cents a bushel and as you mentioned that's that's welcome news for uh feedlot operators uh, those input costs always uh, really hammering what uh what the profitability can be for the feeders and that trickles down to the cow calf guy but uh very interesting numbers uh and this is all despite the the drought in that part of the world too but again we'll see what the actual harvest is here in, in just a few months and as for wheat let's look at those numbers here quick like uh wheat production increased on the estimate of all production to 1.739 billion bushels that's up from 1.6 last month but the farm gate price disappointingly that dropped 20 cents to seven dollars and 50 cents a bushel uh the winter wheat uh production is forecast to be up six percent from last month at 1.21 billion bushels spring wheat production that forecast is down 1% from last year at 479 million bushels. Same story there, though. We are seeing a lot of harvest progress from the south moving north. And the further north you get, uh, the crop is looking much better. But uh, I tell you what, up here in, in Montana, where I'm broadcasting from, Russ, uh, that winter wheat is starting to turn color. It looks really good out there. And uh, it, all my neighbors that are farmers, they should be pretty happy with that crop because it... Uh, it could be really good if if Mother Nature just keeps playing playing a fair game for him. Yeah, I mean it's nice. I mean we've talked about it before, but these past couple of years have been pretty tough uh, for farmers and ranchers, especially here in the the northern plains. And and for them to actually have a crop is 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 just great. I know there's still a few pockets like I've seen some some posts from some of our friends uh, north of Shelby and that sunburst uh, area where uh, unfortunately they haven't quite seen as much moisture uh, this year like like others have. And certainly our thoughts go out to those guys. But um, even so, I thought it was pretty cool. They're still uh, very optimistic and of course cheering their uh, uh, farmer friends on out there, you know, wishing them the best in, in, their, in their crops and harvest and whatnot. But um, yeah, I mean, it's expected. I mean, when, when the wheat price goes up, you're going to probably see, you know, more wheat acres go in and, and that's what is happening. It, it'll be interesting to see because we talked last week about, you know, especially in Kansas and, and Nebraska, they, their winter wheat fields are still in some pretty tough conditions, but the further North you get, um, it's going to be good. And, and spring wheat is is looking good and and the durham's crop durham crop is looking good and, and of course now we'll just have to fight off uh you know all those uh diseases and and threats from insects uh as we move closer to harvest well that's what i was just going to bring up though i mean pasture wise uh out in my pasture riding around those grasshoppers are starting to get thick 
you know, it, it really didn't impact our, our hay crop. We got that up, but uh, it just seems anywhere, especially where, where that stuff's drying up, getting a good cure just in the pasture. I love that, uh, that, that wonderful grass called cheatgrass. Those, those hoppers are really thick in that. And then in some of that thicker, just lush looking grass, they're there. You can hear them, but uh, not as thick as we had them late last summer when they moved into our region. They, they, they migrated in last fall and they were all over, but you know, there were so many producers, whether it's Shoto County, East, you know, Winnet, Montana, Jordan, all that country, and just at different pockets there uh, in, in Montana. They're horrible. I know in North Dakota, they've been bad as well. And just uh, other regions, the Mormon crickets also uh, kind of in the Colorado region in Utah this year as well. But uh, I am hoping that we don't get hammered too hard. Hopefully we can get a little more moisture, but uh, our pastures look way better than I thought they would. But I am really concerned that these grasshoppers are, are going to just uh, hatch even more and, and have a bigger impact as we get warmer and drier. Yeah, you know, I thought with the cool and wet spring, early summer that we, we had, we, you know, we would have been able to fight off those grasshoppers. And it just goes to show just, you know, how, how resilient those little buggers are and, and how damaging they, they can be. And, and, I mean, you nailed it, Lane. I mean, I even noticed them uh, where I live uh, in town, they're getting even thicker uh, in the grassy areas. So just something for, for growers and ranchers to pay a close attention to. And, and I guess uh, we'll just have to take it as it comes. That's what we do in agriculture. Right. Hey, let's take a quick break and thank our friends at AgRisk Advisors. We'll be back. We'll talk about that Spear livestock sale and how ag prices are continuing to trend lower. We'll have more right after this. Ready for a real PRF partner? He was willing to track us for a year and provide that data back to us for a year. That's a guy making a pretty big investment. At AgRisk Advisors, this isn't our first rodeo. We are one of the most experienced in pasture rangeland forage. Honesty, commitment, trust. Many companies use these words. At AgRisk Advisors, we earn them. Again, a big thank you to our friends at Ag Risk Advisors for bringing us these uh, opportunities to share these headlines with you. Well, I got a little early on the trigger there with that B-roll there, Russ, but uh, wholesale ag prices. You know, we uh, we saw those reach a high at the end of December 2022. How much, how, what do you think the price a dozen at the end of 2022 was uh, for those eggs, Russ? Was it $5 and some change maybe? Maybe did you read my script beforehand? <laughs> no, I'm just taking a shot. I, I mean, I a lot of times my and my wife gets after me all the time. It's because I don't really pay attention to prices, especially at the grocery store, and I know I should. But honestly, like I just took a stab at it, but I knew they were high. But I mean, five dollars is a lot for a dozen eggs. See, that's why I, I you wouldn't do very well on the prices, right? Probably. No, um, no I wouldn't. Yeah, $5.37 was the height it reached in December 2022. Of course, all of this came in regards to the avian influenza, which truly is the worst 
animal disease outbreak that the U.S. has seen in terms of scale. And I actually could not find a, an updated number. I know we haven't seen much in terms of that disease coming back here uh, as we move through the summer in 2023. But uh, in February, it, it was over 60 million birds had died or been culled due to avian influenza, which is spread by wild, uh, wild uh, fowl. And uh, whether it's a, a, a big facility with millions of birds or, or layers or uh, turkeys or whatever it might be, or a backyard flock, yeah, just having a devastating yeah. impact on that. And uh, so the prices, they've fallen quite a bit. Uh, wholesale prices at the last week of May when USDA reported were 89 cents. So that's, <laughs> that's oh, really? A, yeah. Uh, but in June, they did go up to $1.23 per dozen on a national level, but that's still 77% lower than December 2022 when those egg prices really uh, shot up. And um, yeah, I, I mean, that's, I, I was worried about how, how much they were going to cost when we were dying Easter eggs, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a huge difference. I mean, from $5 and some change down to 87 cents. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, my as soon as you said that, and, and it's crazy because we do this stuff every single day, but even like every once in a while, like just bells and whistles and red flags go off in my little pea brain. I'm like, was well, that an industry market overreaction last year? Uh, and to really over-sensationalize, I mean, not taking away the seriousness of avian influenza, but was the shortage of eggs really that real? Oh, I think it was. It was supply and demand. They they lost uh, nearly 49, 43 million laying, egg, egg, uh, laying hens, excuse me, 43 million laying hens were depopulated because of that. So, I mean, that's a lot of eggs just taking out of the equation there. And, but, but I think the this shows just how resilient poultry can be and, and pork for example too they can turn around that that uh, protein production and, and repopulate uh their their flocks and and on the hog end uh their their hog inventory as well so much faster than livestock producers and you look back to you know 2014 when we were seeing these record high uh, calf prices we had a low U.S. cattle inventory herd, and yeah. it quickly was rebuilt in 2015, 16, and 17 because there were some favorable weather conditions. But, you know, producers are so streamlined in the poultry industry where they can come in, they can have a, I don't know how, I, I'm not an expert in the poultry end of things, but they can hatch out a lot of chickens in a very fast order and repopulate that, though. It just shows how much more risk cattle producers have or, or, or uh, sheep producers have in that equation of producing and providing protein to the public. Uh, so that that's my takeaway of it too, but uh, a 77%, you know, drop there. Yeah. But again, you know, I'm not making light to those producers who did have to depopulate millions and millions of birds. Because uh, if, if, if they, if a livestock producer had to do that, they'd, they'd be going under right away. So I feel when, when a producer's hard work, and and a disease comes in like that uh it, it it's troubling but yeah i just think they're resilient in how they can turn around that production uh level yeah that's a good explanation and uh makes me think about why you know livestock organizations like ncba and u.s cattlemen's association uh american sheep industry association you name them they're all working hard to to keep you know 
animal diseases like foot and mouth disease and of course uh, BSE out of this country that would have a direct and immediate impact on um, you know cattle producers especially yep well, you know, speaking of cattle, though, Russ, you know, the founder of Western Ag Network, Evan Slack, of course, uh, the Western Ag Network used to be called the Evan Slack Network. Evan's uh, saying higher, higher uh, was always music to a farmer or rancher's ears. And uh, I tell you what, we can say higher, higher uh, with this week in the Rockies sale that just wrapped up with Superior Livestock Auction. Yeah, it was another great sale uh, in Steamboat Springs, Colorado. A couple hundred thousand head of cattle, a lot of them from right here in Western Egg Network country. And Evan uh, would have been saying higher, higher uh, a lot this past week. And uh, uh, it's good news, I mean, for, for cattle producers who, like other producers, have been you know fighting drought and higher input costs and low markets uh, up until the past uh, 12 months or so. And and this week I had the opportunity to catch up with a, a good friend of ours out of central Montana who owns Lewistown Livestock Auction, but he also helps out on the auction block now for Superior Livestock Auction, Kyle Shobe. And we talked about this week's market for those fall delivered calves from region two, which is most of Western Egg Network country it's been very, very, very strong. Uh, you know, they kicked off the Council Bluff sale, the, the Corn Belt Classic, just a month ago. And really, we didn't know where we were going to land. Within $40, $50, we knew it was going to be good. Uh, but how good it was going to be was yet to be foreseen. That that sale really set the bar, and, and then things have just continued here at the week of the Rockies. And maybe we shouldn't be surprised. Commodities have kind of moved in our favor in some ways. We've had two reports come out, uh, cattle on feed and the crop report that were favorable toward toward the cattle complex. So I think all that factors in. Uh, the bottom line is there's a supply and demand issue at the very core of this thing that continues to drive demand, and it's being evidenced here this week in, in Steamboat Springs. And he says tight cattle supplies, along with a record corn crop on tap, have fall-delivered calves from our region in high demand. What we're really seeing is the five weights taking off. Um, and in spots, those are even $20 higher uh, over the market that we've seen here in, in the last several weeks. So, uh, But you can't say that as a blanket comment because as you go through, there's, there's no two lots that are exactly the same. You talk about location, geography, uh, type and kind of cattle, uh, shot records, programs, all of those factors certainly play in. But yeah, like you said, you know, the five to 600 pounders, 270 to 345, you know, landing in that range on the steer side, on the, on the uh, six weight cattle, 605s to 650s, 250 to 307, uh, the heavier six weights, 660 to 690, 261 to 285. Again, that would line up pretty, you know, right at the top end of what we saw uh, a month ago, but certainly things are looking, uh, looking solid. And Lane, you know, as Kyle mentioned, and you and I have talked a lot about, as the rest of our team has for a lot of, a lot of months now, tight supplies, and now this record corn crop on tap, uh, are pretty good ingredients for a, a higher fall calf market moving ahead. No, very true. It's exciting. It's fun to watch those prices. And, and you know his last name is Shobi, right? Shobi? Shobi. I've never heard it. <laughs> I'm <joking>. Shobi. Ever. <laughs> Does I, uh, he know about this? 
the only the first time that I ever like worked away from my dad's fencing crew or for family, uh, his dad Jason hired me when I was like in seventh grade, sixth or seventh grade, and I started ringing at the show of auction and reality uh, at their auctions that they would have, and they would do the big estate sales, the Western antique stuff, and so and Kyle would have been in college at that time when I was working a lot of, almost every weekend when they'd have those sales for 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 Jason show but now Kyle and, and Jason run that there in Lewistown and of course uh, Kyle has Lewistown livestock auction but uh it, it's fun just catching up with folks and I had to throw a little fun in there Shoby because a lot of people say that this is Kyle Shoby no it's Shobe no it's it's definitely show but uh yeah you know Superior is pretty lucky to have him I mean he's a you know, past world champion livestock auctioneer. And, you know, he's doing great things there in central Montana, as you and your family know. I mean, you market a lot of critters through there yourself. So, um, yeah, what it's fun, you know, whether it's superior livestock or, you know, here in the coming weeks, we'll have uh, another northern livestock video auction sale. And then, of course, uh, the first part of August, uh, Cattle Country Video will have their Oregon Trail Classic out of Gary, Nebraska. Um, if ranchers haven't talked with a rep of their choice, I think now's the time to pick up the phone, either call them, shoot them a text or, or something, at least start the conversation well, the market is yeah. as hot as it is right now, Lane. And uh, as Kyle said, I mean, especially those fall delivered calves from, from our part of the world, they truly are in high demand with uh, not just the farmer feeders out there, but the big feedlot operators as well. Yeah, let's, uh, you know, I almost forgot to throw this up here, Russ, uh, just, just those prices in general. And, and these are cattle from right here in our region, which Western Ag Network uh, covers almost, uh, well, it does cover all this region. And uh, just to see these prices for the steers that sold on the week of the Rockies sale, I mean, when we are seeing, yeah. you know, six weight steers bring 307, and obviously those are program cattle, they're reputation cattle, but it just really goes to show that the folks that were able to retain their top producing cows that have a great calf crop, you know, it, it really helps this drought that we've been going through. It helps us weather that just a, a little bit better, but uh, yeah, look at those prices. Yeah, it's it's long overdue, you know, and and before we started the program, you know, we were talking about, well, what the, what was the heifer spread, you know, between the the heifers and the steers in the, in this past sale. And again, these are just unofficial results, Lane and Russell's uh math skills, uh which some days are better than others, but you know, we just kind of guesstimated that, you know, the spread was probably, you know, somewhere between 30 and dollar or 20 and $30 between steers and heifers uh, on this sale. So, I mean, that's still quite a bit of, you know, quite a spread, but those prices are still firmed up pretty good on the heifer end of things. And, you know, I, we do you think we're going to see those narrow up as as we get through the summer and closer into the fall as, as folks maybe look for more uh, replacements, depending on weather? Well, you would think so, right? I mean, uh, with with the supply situation where it's at, because the past few years, I mean, these cow-calf operators have just been decimated by drought, but at the same time, these higher prices are are encouraging uh, ranchers to to have a, a good heartfelt visit with their ag lender, and and a lot of them have a lot more grass uh, to put animals on. A lot of them are going to fill up their hay corrals for the first time 
in the past few years. And, and so a lot of, a lot of these guys are going to be holding back their heifers, uh, you know, for replacements and, and trying to, to rebuild or grow their cow or take advantage of this. But, um, for the ones that can't, I mean, supply and demand just says it all. I mean, and, and as Kyle mentioned, I mean, uh, every single cattle on feed report for the past few months or so, I mean, have, you know, the numbers just aren't there. I mean, they just aren't. And so, uh, you know, things are going to continue to get tighter out there. So like I said, I mean, uh, for, for at least as of right now, it looks like the cow calf guy is, is back in the driver's seat. Yeah. You stole that one from Joe Goggins. <laughs> I did. <laughs> you know, uh, you and I have both watched a lot of video uh, this week on the video auctions, whether it was the Western market video auction market yeah. or, the, or the superior sale. And, you know, being in TV and, you know, you know, having cameras and, you know, we just, I think I might be a little too picky in footage, but <laughs> you, 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 I know, you know where I'm going with this. I do. But when you're watching a video auction, whether it's on the dish or, or on YouTube or through the SLA stream or whatever it might be, and somebody is just in their pickup filming calves. And, and I take, I mean, ranchers work hard. They raise good calf crop. The livestock uh, marketing uh, field reps work hard to get these calves marketed. But nothing gets under my skin. I mean, as our friend uh, Flint Rasmussen was talking on his uh, live stream on Facebook this week, he was salty on a few things. Well, shaky livestock video gets me salty. Yeah, I mean, it's just, and you're watching it, it, it makes you sick. First off, just like, oh, you like, like, like I'm on a boat, you know, it's flatlanders on the <laughs> water. Motion do, sickness. Motion sickness. And uh, take your Dramamine, oh, Lane. It, it just drives me nuts. And so um, it was Amazon Prime Day this week, uh, the two days of Amazon Prime Day. And so I posted to social media this week that, uh, for $15.98, you or your livestock video sales rep can steadily film your calves for the video sale. This got a lot of praise from our friends like Sam Frazier with Frontier Productions, who said, I have to like this because he always has to edit all the video for Northern Livestock video that folks send in. And, you know, I mean, that $15 tripod, you might make an extra $20,000. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you might, you know, and another tip, I mean, long as we're kind of talking tongue in cheek here, I mean, when you're doing those type of videos out there, uh, as you mentioned, these ranchers and are putting a lot of hard work raising that calf crop and, and their livestock, uh, switch your phone to high definition, right? High definition video now. I mean, that's what television and video is all about nobody really wants to watch scratchy blurry video uh of anything no especially no. of you and me well <laughs> and they don't want too high def of you and me they'd see my unibrow oh i was actually the happiest guy in the broadcast industry when we moved away from standard television and actually went to widescreen TVs because it it actually it, it thinned me out a, just a little bit. <laughs> I remember that day when we went uh, at, at Q2 and we went live HD. That was like what, in 2015 or 16? Yeah. And, and it that became very, 
very quick and apparent how high definition television will pick out every single flaw you have on your face. Oh yeah. Well, and that's a lot of people are that have seen me or know me that I, I've wore glasses my whole life, but I had the PRK refractive surgery back in March right. uh, on my left eye. So that's why I haven't been able to, to wear glasses or why I'm, I'm I've not had to wear glasses, but my wife does have to keep up on my unibrow. So I don't have one eyebrow, you know, it's, I mean, this is I, my, you know, this is what yeah. I'm known for. Well, I, I don't want you to look too close because it probably... <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm actually looking down to see. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm blessed that uh, I'm married to a, a hair stylist, cosmetologist. So uh, Miss Rachel keeps me uh, looking yeah. pretty good. Yeah, she does. But uh, no, with that, that was my salty. I, I just get salty when I'm watching hours of video sale and, and you got these great prices and somebody's just out in the pickup and, and that's what they're filming. And, and I get it. It Some days it's tough to get video, but step outside, get a gimbal or heck, hire Russell Nimbus to come out and film your cast. Oh, you know, yeah. You, you yeah. Have time hire, to go do that. But... Hire one of us. Yeah. Well, <laughs> You are a salty dog. With that, let's go ahead and step away for this message from our friends at the NCBA. When it comes to the beef business, there's no room for gray area. The decisions being made in Washington affect the future of the beef industry, the livelihood of your fellow farmers and ranchers. Your National Cattlemen's Beef Association knows there's what benefits cattlemen and there's what doesn't. Visit ncba.org to learn more. Uh, as we come back to our Sunday morning recap here on the Western Ag Network on YouTube and Facebook Live, if you haven't done so, subscribe to us on YouTube or like us and follow us on Facebook and share this conversation. Again, we're just having fun here, recapping in a more relaxed fashion. People, you know, Russ, people are like, I, I got a message the other day. Why are you wearing a cowboy hat on this? I'm like, I, I did not want to comb my hair this morning or take a shower. <laughs> Let's just be truthful. Um, so that's why I'm wearing the hat. And actually, I've gone like two months without getting a haircut. So my hair, that's why I've been doing all my reports out in the hayfield because my hair was just thick and, oh, it just curly and you can't yeah that's so oh, yeah that, man. that's why i'm in my button up here today <sighs> my snaps well hey i i told you well i was giving you a compliment before we even started this program and you didn't even have me like pulled up i mean you were i'm glad you weren't talking smack about me because i could yeah. hear you but you couldn't hear me uh, or oh, even... we, we were talking smack you didn't log in early enough i guess <laughs> But uh, I, I'm still waiting on my Wrangler sponsorship because, you know, I just, you know, uh, to get salty again, the price oh, of boy. jeans, like growing up, uh, Russell, when you graduated high school in the early 90s, what, what did a pair of Wrangler jeans cost back then? Do you remember? Oh, I bet. I bet they were under 20 bucks. Yeah. You know. But right? like nowadays, if you were going to go buy, like, say, a pair of cinch jeans, what, what would that cost oh, you at, 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 the, at the Western store? I don't know. I, I would have to guess 40, 60 bucks, maybe. No, they're, they're like averaging 75 to 80 bucks. What? Yeah. That's why, that's why I'm just like, I stick with the original. You know, I used to wear, you know, Kimes jeans and I still wear them, but I'm just not going to buy any new ones or, or cinch or whatever. And, and as I, you know, grow older and, and, embrace my dad bod you know i'm just i'm, I'm not going to spend money on you know clothes but it's just like i went back to the 13 mwz wranglers you know unwashed yeah. 
20, 22 bucks, you know, a pair at the, yeah. at the store. And if you hit it right, you can get two, buy, buy two, get one free. It's just, it's ridiculous. You know, I get my dress shirts from uh, Joseph A. Banks and they have a sale. I just, I, we go through I, shirts, we stain them. I mean, yeah. I don't know. It, it frustrates not, me. I'm not sure I could even squeeze into a pair of Wrangler 13 MWZs now. Why? Well, it's not yeah, a 13 I don't waist. What? It's not a 13 waist. Well, I know, but <laughs> God, they're they're pretty slim. I'm not <laughs> I'm I'm not really designed for slim anything. You know, Get slim shirts, slim, slim jeans. Yeah, I just well you can't fit into them Wrangler Stranglers. <laughs> no. Well, like I, I'm just well, I'm a bean pole, anybody that knows me. Yeah. So I, I gotta wear the slim, even though I got I, my little my dad bod going on here. Yeah. I like yeah. I I like the jeans these days that have a little bit of give and, and stretch. <laughs> well we could do a whole nother segment on me trying to get into a pair of starch jeans in the morning at a hotel you know when you're out oh, on the yeah. road because yeah. national laundry i should get them to sponsor us on this national laundry in great falls they can starch some pants there you go you, you pull a hamster and getting them on you know they're starch <laughs> good you can quote me on that hey let's look to some headlines you know russ when when we're texting back and forth you know a lot of the time we can keep it as yep yep you know, send an emoji, a smiley face, and uh, maybe even a thumbs up when we're trying to set, hey, what days of the week do you want to do programming? Do you have TV? Do you have this? You know, we, we send a lot of texts throughout the week. And uh, we're, we're looking up to Canada for this next story. Uh, this was uh, one of our top ones on, on YouTube, TV, and radio this week. And that is the, uh, the story about uh, CNN originally reported that up in Saskatchewan, uh, grain purchasers from Southwest Terminal sent a text messages to Bob and Chris Actor wanting to buy flax. This was in the year 2021. They're trying to buy flax for $17 a bushel with delivery occurring that year. Look at that beautiful flax field there on the that screen. Is beautiful. But after several phone calls with the farmers, that terminal drafted a contract for farmer Chris Actor to sell to the terminal 86 metric tons of flax for $17 a bushel to be delivered in November of 2021. So this is where it gets a little sticky. And we've had a lot of conversation with audience members online about this. Uh, the grain terminal rep had signed a contract in ink and then sent the photo of the contract via cell phone to Chris Actor uh, with the message saying, please confirm flax contract. Well, according to court documents, uh, the contract uh, was never honored uh, by the farmer. They uh, they didn't send that contract, or they never delivered the flax in November of that year. And uh, the the elevator thought they were going to be getting all that uh, that flax. Uh, the farmers claimed that the text was not a confirmation of the contract because he responded back. Maybe I jumped over that. He responded back with a thumbs up that he got that contract. Um, and he said that was just hey, I got the contract, but I haven't signed it. Well. The Saskatchewan court up there, the King's Bench, as they call it in that neck of the woods. Well, they said, no, that, that's a verbal contract. And the judge ruled that the farmers owed Southwest Terminal $82,000 plus interest and the cost for failing to deliver the flax. And, you know, as I said on air, the expression of be careful what you say also needs to be included to be careful what you text. And, uh, you know, diving more into that, I guess the, the terminal had done deals with this, with these, uh, farmers before 
uh, just needing a text verification in the past. And that was how I guess the high court decided that uh, the contract was a verbal contract and, and the text, the, the thumbs up uh, did count as a, a verbal contract on that front. A lot of people saying that uh, that shouldn't be the case, but obviously the, the King's bench up in Saskatchewan uh, thinks otherwise with that ruling. Um, so I guess be careful what you text when you say, yep, I got the contract. Mm, yeah, exactly. I mean, holy cow. That's a big, uh, that's a big bill. And you got my, you got my, you gave me the thumbs up on my, my pay increase last week too. You gave me a <laughs> thumbs up on that, right? For 500,000 a year. Uh, I missed that one. I missed no, that. I responded. I'm pretty sure I saw that in my text yeah, messages. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy though, isn't it? I mean, yeah. just, yeah. I, but, I, I, but think of it this way. I mean, I'll, people, you know, handshake deal. You know, yeah. verbal contract uh, on everything except real estate. Verbal contracts are are pretty much the the law of the land on, on so many of these other uh, topics. But uh, but did I mention in there? I, I was going through those notes so fast, and my eye recovery hasn't been the best. But that that the flax price jumped from seventeen dollars a bushel to forty one a bushel. Oh, really? Yeah. So, and that's what, that's where I think some people are like, well, did these farmers just outright, well, we want more money. We're going to sell it to another terminal. Right. Yeah, I jumped over that in my details. I'm not a very yeah. good reporter, I guess. That's a... <laughs> you're only, you're only telling us what you want us to hear. Yes. We're in the media. <laughs> Stop you know, it, Lane. Speaking... We demand the facts. I, and I'm trying to, I just can't read anymore. I, I, I guess I'm going to have to bump these up to like 15 or 16 font. Oh, Welcome to my world. I know, I know. we're kind of jumping all over the place, but I've got two sets of glasses now. Really? And both and both pairs are like bifocals, right? I mean, so I've got the pair that I've got on that is supposed to be like for, I don't know, eight feet and further. And then another pair now that I have to wear, um, they're my computer screen glasses. Oh, old Mr. Magoo here. I know. Well, I can't see. Everything's blurry. Oh man. Like I said, Sucks I was on get fun. Old. well, like I said, I only had the surgery on my left eye, <laughs> my right eye. They didn't do it there because they didn't think it would it would hold, but I think my eyesight's gotten worse. It's I'm not looking forward to hunting season if I don't get this right eye seeing better. I'll give you the thumbs up. It's hard <laughs> to read ear tags on cows too. Uh, like I'm like out there, those cows think I'm winking at them. Trying to <laughs> What's that? What's that ear tag number? Yeah. Oh, but that's why uh, they love you, though. That's why they yeah, love you. Yeah. That's why they come to you. Well, I'm not sending emojis to the cows. Um, <laughs> we need to change subject. Yes. We got to start we, wrapping up here. Facebook is going to censor us again, probably yeah. on that. Well, that means we're doing something right. Well, probably. Oh, speaking of Facebook yeah. and Instagram, uh, we are on threads for our audience members. Uh, we're on Twitter as well. We got too many dang social media things out there. We It's hard to keep up on those. And But uh, we are on threads. We're not getting into the political discussion on that. We're on there because we got to be on there. But uh, we are on threads, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. And, and again, if you want more of our content, I know we have that dedicated radio audience. They get we, we enjoy you tuning in every day across all eight of our states and nearly 80 radio stations. For more of that content, of course, westernnightnetwork.com. 
but more of our conversations with our guests and the stories that really impact the industry, these longer format conversations, head on over to our YouTube page, Western Ag Network, mm -hmm. subscribe, follow along. We have shorts, we have our longer format conversations, and of course, these Sunday recaps where you can watch them two months from now and wonder what the heck we were talking about, about back in the middle of July of 2023. But, uh, you know, just follow us along on those. And uh, we're, we'll probably be giving a few giveaways here in a few weeks uh, once we get these shows up and running. But uh, make sure and, you know, join us every Sunday morning here when we do these. And it is fun to see the folks that, that join us and comment and, and share our stories along the way. And because really, we're just we're just drinking our coffee. Well, I'm drinking my coffee. I know you got a Diet Coke somewhere back behind your stage there. Oh, always. Uh, that's my go-to drink. But, you know, Russ, I think we should wrap up today's show. You know, we've been I've been a little salty today, but here's a story to sweeten all of our moods and congratulate one of our team members. Absolutely. Thank you very much for that segue. And Yes, uh, this weekend, we want to send out a big congratulations to uh, our teammate, Haley Ship, who grew her family by one this past Tuesday, July 11th, as she welcomed her son, Wilder Dust Ship, into the world at 9.30 p.m. Haley says Wilder weighs seven pounds, two ounces, and as a broadcaster, now mom, could only share he has one heck of a set of lungs <laughs> well that's just exciting a big congratulations to Haley and, and her family up there in Glasgow and uh, I, I I know uh, I know her folks and happy to have another little ranch hand on 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 site there so big congratulations and, and a, just a miracle and it's it's just so great to to see a new one come in especially helping grow our broadcast family along yeah, the way. Absolutely. Well, again, a big, big congratulations to Haley and Wilder and uh, can't wait to meet him in person here and, and, and uh, hear him put those lungs to lungs to use. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we should mention, I mean, I can't believe it, but Haley will be on maternity leave. So if folks are wondering why they're not hearing her on the radio or seeing her once in a while on a television program or even on some of these uh, digital pieces, uh, she is going to take some uh, much deserved time to hang out with her new son, Wilder. Well, that's great. And uh, that's maybe her calling you right now to, to check in there. But uh, <laughs> the joys of, of live broadcast here today. But uh, again, uh, a, a, a blessing there. Great congratulations uh, to, to Haley Ship and Wilder here today. And you know what, Russ, we've covered a lot of a lot of topics here today. And I, I never think these conversations are going to go that long. And they probably wouldn't if we actually just read these like we were on a, our broadcast TV programs and only have you know, three minutes and 45 seconds to get our information across. But, uh, you know, we've talked a lot. We've had a lot of fun. Uh, of course, I love to poke fun at myself. But uh, again, just a reminder, you too can have steady video of your calves for the video. So behind a <laughs> tripod today. But I just want to do the thumbs up now. Yeah. Thumbs up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, if your livestock sale rep texts you with a question on on your contract, uh, maybe call them back. Don't just text. Yeah, exactly. Get get verbal and get uh, get your contract, your price set with uh, probably uh, a signature now. 
Well, higher, 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 as Evan always said. Well, friends, that's going to do it for this edition of our Sunday morning recap on the Western Ag Network with our ag headlines. And thanks for tuning into the audio portion on our on my Lancast Ag podcast platform as well. We're going to continue to have our coverage throughout the week. Monday through Friday on the Western Ag Network on our 80, nearly 80 radio stations across state states. And of course, our TV programming in Montana, Wyoming, and the YouTube channels as well. We just want to bring you the top stories impacting Western producers each and every day. On behalf of Russell Nimitz, our videographer, Paul Humphrey, standing by on the back end of things, making things uh, all work, and the entire Western Ag Network crew, I'm Lane Northland. Have a blessed Sunday, and we will see you back here soon. Thank you for tuning in to the LaneCast with Talkin' Ag, Lane Northland. For more on Lane, check out his Facebook page, Lane Northland Ag Broadcaster and NorthlandCommunications.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the LaneCast on your Apple or Android devices. We look forward to joining you next time on the LaneCast.